0: Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.
2: What if I told you everything you know about the world is wrong?
1: Dear Lord, what if I told you that all the things I believe to be impossible are in fact very much possible?
2: Ah, Reality is not what you think it is.
1: It is so much
2: more complicated fascinating and above all
1: lord is terrifying we're at the fringes of the map and there's more than just dragons in your name i pray amen
3: you're sitting at the chess table both of you get up to leave or maybe you want to stay to play a match with someone sitting around you sitting around you you
2: have this will be really exciting if it's just all games of chess
1: (laughs) i'm personally down for
2: this.
3: There's So, John Crown, there is the woman dressed like some sort of adventurer. Like, I, I, I don't know. You probably didn't get, you got a little bit of a look at her at a distance, but now that she's sitting down here next to Is the- she the,
2: is the adventurer lady the one with the scar?
3: No, no, that's
2: a different woman. Two ladies, got it.
3: Uh, although the woman with the scar is also probably nearby, like you could chat to her as well if you wanted to. But yeah, the adventuring woman or the woman who looks like an adventurer, she's wearing kind of like a buset, a really nice kind of petticoat sort of thing, but she's got kind of like almost a Batman style belt, which has hanging off it a set of ice axes and you can see a little pouch that's got, like, the red cross stamped onto it. You assume that's a medical kit of some sort. And you can see that her... uh, There's a bunch of other, like, little odds and ends that are just kind of tucked in various different spaces upon her. You can see that she's wearing, like, really nice, lacy sort of gloves, but the palms of them are filthy. Okay. What would you like to do? You can smell food coming from the front dining car. The delicious smell of probably fish. Fish and chicken.
2: Boy, who doesn't love being in an in an enclosed space where fish is being cooked?
3: Uh probably not fish. Actually, that's a fair point. Chicken or maybe I don't know, let's say lamb.
2: They probably It's wouldn't. too late. You already said <laughs> fish. Alright, you know what? The Crown is a very fancy
3: establishment. Yes, they do have fish. They've figured it out.
2: Out in the middle of Mexico, in eighteen sixty, whatever.
3: <laughs> There's Fish that live inland. Go on. Uh, The inland, the freshwater salmon, maybe? That's a thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know what? It's my world. There's a fish called an Unger that lives exclusively in lakes and rivers inland. They're probably serving Unger. I don't think I've ever would have referred to that as being in land. It's still in water. It just tends to be (laughs) landlocked. It's also a fish. You know how some fish have those legs or whatever? It's a fish with legs. Yeah, that's right. That's (laughs) right. You rock the DM car and I rock back.
2: I mean, if you want to get annoyingly uh, taxonomically technical, uh, all vertebrates are fish.
3: Yeah, that's because there's no real proper definition for fish, is there? And- no,
2: it's you just whatever your ancestors are. Like, you're a human, right? Oh, I see which what you're saying. Which makes you a primate, which yes. makes you a mammal, which makes you a synapsid, which makes you a chordate, uh, which makes you a fish.
1: But what about the whole gills thing?
2: That's our lungs.
1: It, all right.
2: That's why you hiccup.
1: I hiccup because I'm a fish. That's going to yeah. be my newest way of explaining hiccups.
2: I, I don't have time to explain it right now. <laughs> I believe but it. if you find that kind of thing interesting, it is <laughs>
3: <laughs> Very good. All right, so you don't have to go to the dining car, but you see that a lot of other people are heading towards the dining car the The crowd that had gathered around you there was maybe maybe even just like extending a little bit out. There was like a little bit of a when you finished a little like a golfer's clap going on. They were all very pleased with the
2: with the display. Yeah, who doesn't love a good stalemate?
3: Well, look, hey, it was exci- A stalemate can be exciting. Stalemate can be pretty exciting. I I would argue that a stalemate could be the most exciting because right up until the end, it looks like anyone might be able to win.
2: Well, I I bow to uh, I bow to Josh's experience here. My um my chess playing ended with uh, Star Wars battle chess on the computer
1: <laughs> way back in the day.
2: I said, "Do you smell unger cooking?" <laughs> I I don't know what that is. You've never had. My dear boy, you simply must. Come along.
3: <laughs> All right. As you walk towards the dining car, both of you hear probably maybe something really almost cliche like Moonlight Sonata start playing. And if you glance over your shoulder, you see... Not in
2: 1867, the... you wouldn't. Oh, shit. Wouldn't you? Nah, I'm kidding. I haven't heard when <laughs> that
3: was written. It's alternate history, Adam. It was composed in 1801. So, like... I guess, cosmically speaking, it is very recent. Actually, the more I think about it, that's like 60 years old at this point. Anyway, you hear Moonlight Sonata playing and you both turn around, or if you turn around, I should say, you see the man in the who was in the French military uniform before, you see him playing at the piano. Is he playing it well? Um, <laughs> I mean, he knows how it goes, but you wouldn't... Like, this is not a performance people are going to be clapping about. It seems almost like he's practicing, to be honest. I like that you left that up to chance. (laughs) Everything's chance, baby. All right. So you head into the dining car. In the dining car, you see a bunch of the people that you've seen already before. The Indian doctor, uh, Sir John Crown, probably walked like right in front or right behind you as well. You see as well Miguel Zadillo, the conductor for the train. He appears to be walking back and forth ordering the wait staff around. A bunch of them are going about taking orders from people. You can see just past the door to the kitchen area is slightly ajar. And you can see kitchen hands and stuff working in the front part of the train. You also probably, just for a brief moment, catch a glimpse of... Right past the kitchen area, you can see straight into it is an office space, just like a teeny tiny, maybe the size of like a toilet in a public restroom office space. Absolutely minuscule space, but nonetheless, an office with like a desk and a typewriter.
2: You clearly don't live in Jersey City because that would be a big office here. (laughs) If you had one that big in your apartment.
1: Same. Brooklyn, yep.
2: I
3: don't know if you've noticed, but I do live definitely in another country. (laughs) What
1: shit? I know.
3: (laughs) It's fucked. I know, I play it off so well. Every time either of you are like, hey, Adam, you live like 15 minutes away from me. We should hang out. I'm like, why do you think I have this ridiculous
2: (laughs) accent? (laughs) Yeah. That if there's anyone under thirty, that was a reference to the John Cleese was a French guy in a, But anyway, it's not. <laughs> I don't think that Adam has a, a terrible French accent.
3: You do not see Otis here. Otis Bismarck is noticeably absent. Uh, would you like to sit with each other since you're such good friends already? You can see there's a few tables available right now. Would you like to try and find your own table? How? What do you want to do here?
2: I, I think I've, I've latched onto I've. I've almost taken the the priest as an accessory at this point. Like I have an arm around him, and I'm steering him around, just telling him stuff. So we'll we'll sit at whatever. Um, hmm. I want to sit somewhere where people can see me, mm-hmm. not
1: too far from anyone who is important.
2: Okay. Yeah.
3: Sure.
1: And with the amount you're talking, I'm actually listening so much. I'm barely responding. Uh, because that is something that the Reverend is used to, is listening to people just tell him woes and stories and stuff. So he's just going to be you know, paying 100% attention.
3: Well, you find, I would say, I guess maybe the best place then to be seen by everyone is a kind of central table. So you find as close to the center as a table will allow you to be. And I would say that you're sitting with Dr. Singh, Sir John Crown, and one of the women with like the massive awful looking scar across half of her face
2: right the one who i uh, i shot that wink to or whatever when we were playing yes yeah yeah i'm glad that i established that winchell isn't wearing his turban at this point
0: <laughs>
2: yes <laughs> like was very specifically he was wearing a hat <laughs>
3: When, you notice specifically, when the that woman, uh, I don't know if you learned her name. Frida, right? Yeah, Frida, Frida Dietrich. You, she almost immediately introduces herself. She speaks with a heavy German accent. Frida Dietrich. And she kind of, like, extends one of her hands for you to kiss it.
2: I do. And uh, I, we introduce ourselves as well. Well, I introduce myself. Mm-hmm. My dear lady, uh, Winchell W. Edwards, uh, pleasure. And this is my 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 good friend.
1: <clears throat> uh, Reverend Daniel Mason. Uh, pleasure to meet you. Reverend, she says. Uh, yes, yes, ma'am. She nods like she's
3: kind of just making a... It looks like she's making a mental note. You see that she seems to be kind of like assessing you. You get the immediate feeling. It kind of almost... It's got this this sensation of kind of being circled by a shark. It feels a little bit like... She's trying to work out whether you're a seal or a fellow shark. Hmm. You're also watching this. You you get that Frieda is absolutely assessing both of you. You see her eyes briefly glance down at your waist, and it looks like she might be checking for a gun.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: She sits down, and when she sits down, she has like a little clutch that she's holding with her. She sets the clutch down on the table, and both of you hear it hits the table with, like, a solid thunk. The clutch is weighty, and it feels like it's made of something heavy as well.
2: Well, thank you for gracing us with your presence, uh, my Teutonic temptress. Uh, I hope you're looking forward to some uh, delightful hunger, I think is what they're cooking tonight.
3: I do so enjoy land fish, she says.
1: <laughs> Tell me, what uh, brings both of you to the cran? Oh, um... Well, I was making my way down into Mexico, and I was planning on spreading the word of God down here. And, well, it turns out that they're already being occupied by other people and do not wish for others to invade their space and try to take away their ways. So I turned myself around. I'm going back up to the States and hopefully do some more repairs after our war and can help people out you know, at home. She
3: nods. Oh, and actually, she should probably roll to see whether or not she knows you,
2: Edwards. That's true. I'm a little famous.
3: You can see her eyes are kind of fixated on you, Edwards. And before you're able to respond with why you're here, she says, I know you.
2: Ha. Ah. Yes, well, this is the uh, the price of fame. How embarrassing to uh, have my uh, reputation precede me, So, uh, Are you familiar with my work? Uh, da, you are a, a medium of some sort? That is correct. I can pierce through the veil between worlds.
3: Mm, mm, she says, you immediately get the impression that she's kind of unimpressed by that.
2: I hate that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you don't think she's a believer? Uh, you're paying attention mm. to her, but you are receiving the same look from the person next to you. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Sir John Crown. Uh, Sir John Crown is almost the opposite. He when he hears that, he he says, "Bloody hell! You can see into the spirit world."
2: Well, nothing so crude as seeing directly, and it's you know, there's not a, a direct uh, sensory analog between the living senses of the body and the ability to uh receive messages from the other side, I would say uh, I'm sensitive to the next plane.
3: So would you describe it kind of like how well, I suppose how you can't describe smell in the form of sight if you know what I mean. It's kind of the same thing where you cannot describe such a sense in retrospective to
2: other senses. I I rather suspect you're correct in that assessment. Yeah, yeah. I've always thought of it as the way when one is dreaming one will know certain things to be true, even without anyone in the dream imparting that knowledge to you.
3: Are you familiar yes. with this? Yes. It's yes. That's, like that, that makes a lot of sense for me. I understand. Yes. I, uh, Sir John uh Crown, I don't think we've been properly introduced. I, uh, I'm a uh, a salesman of sorts. I, uh, p- perchance, uh, might you, do you do anything like reading?
2: Oh, well. I am, uh, this is, of course, a, a trip for pleasure, I, I, but uh, I suppose, I see, <laughs> I hear, <laughs> I can feel, give me your hands, John Crown.
3: John Crown gives you his hands. <laughs> and
2: like, I, when I say that, though, I, like, I stand up and bump hard against the table on my way up and like, you know, glasses are knocked over, it's a very dramatic moment.
1: I stumble to pick up the glass. Uh,
2: (laughs) I need to cold read this guy as hard as I possibly can right now, Adam.
3: While you're grabbing for your glass, Reverend, you see Dr. Singh also grabbing for his. Both of you lock eye contact for a brief moment, and you see, similar to Frida Dietrich, the doctor rolls his eyes a little
1: bit, (laughs) also unimpressed. I I return the look with a smile and just the eyes widening of like, yup. (laughs)
2: <laughs> Trying to decide if I just want to cold read this guy. Although I've made quite a spectacle, is there any way the uh, the ghost that haunts me can help me out here? <laughs> <laughs> my my old my old partner from my stage show who uh, met his untimely demise.
3: All right, you spend a point of willpower to use this ability, but after you spend the point of willpower, you grab Sir John Crown's hands and you. God, what exactly would you like to get out of this? You are actually, without without anyone else at this table realizing, because they are all such big skeptics, but you actually tap into Sir John Crown's spiritual history and you gain access to any ghost related to him. You feel hands upon your shoulder, the hands of... You know who this is. You know this is Clayton Murray... Your old partner, he whispers something into your ear. You never quite know what he is whispering into your ear. You just feel like the, you feel the words almost upon your ear, but you don't register them. And then you see behind Sir Crown, like a stretching silhouette of the ghost that you are contacting. Who hmm. who would you like to reach out to? Would you like to reach out to a family member?
2: Yeah, whatever whatever family member has the strongest connection to him. Okay. Like, whoever, whoever he would have had the strongest bond with in yeah. life. There must be some connection still after life, and I, I, I want to know that person. You see the silhouette
3: slowly materialize, and then it's in a similar way that Cl- uh, Clayton is putting his hands on your shoulders.
2: Well, with his hands on my shoulders, I go, Clayton, the table, the table, shake the table. <laughs> <coughs>
3: You say this very often. That is not what Clayton does. The table does not shake. <sighs> Clayton cannot influence the material realm that easily. And you're not 100% sure that Clayton understands what you're even saying. <laughs> <laughs> it's very funny, though. I'm assuming you do this every time. And every I'm, time I'm Clayton... hoping.
2: I'm always hoping it's going to work. <laughs> the lights, but Clayton. The
3: lights. You see, uh, you see two hands appear from the silhouette on Sir Crown's shoulders. And the silhouette slowly materializes into a very elderly and wizened looking woman. She has kind of like a classic upper English sort of appearance. For lack of a better term, that like classic stiff upper lip sort of look about her. She's dressed very conservatively. And you can see because she is holding, putting both hands on Sir Crown's shoulders, she she has a cane that she has just hanging off her arm because she obviously can't be physically holding it. Why have you called for me? She whispers at you over Sir Crown's head.
2: Your name? What is your name? Uh,
3: My name is Elizabeth.
2: Elizabeth. Elizabeth, what message do you have for John? When you say that, well, he just kind of,
3: it's not cold reading. He just comes out with the name Elizabeth. You see John Crown... Uh, Reverend, you see John Crown, who up until this point, this kind of seemed like a fun thing to do. He wasn't taking this very seriously. He was interested, but he wasn't taking it
0: seriously. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. You
3: see his face take on a very dark expression. He snaps his hands back. Edwards, would you like to resist that? All right, um... Coin flip? Hell yeah. No,
2: no, no! I let him go.
3: Edwards, you hear the the Elizabeth with her hands on John's shoulders. You hear her say,
1: "He killed,"
3: and then she's gone. Your connection to her and to John is severed. I
2: I, I look him I look him straight in the eye, and I say, "I don't know what this means," but Elizabeth says she forgives you.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Alright. Uh you don't need to roll a bluff because John Crown is so distracted by how inadvertently on the fucking money you are right now. Uh John Crown, white as a ghost, leaves. <laughs> he doesn't say anything, he just leaves. This
2: is why I I generally uh, to to the uh, to Doctor Singh and and uh, Miss Dietrich. I, I say this is why I I rarely contact the other side outside of any of my stage engagements. Uh here a listing of which, and I hand each of them uh, a flyer. <laughs>
3: Doctor Singh politely is how big's the flyer? Is it big enough to put in a wallet?
2: Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Sure, it's 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 like twice the size of a business card. If you fold okay. it in half, you could tuck it in your sure. Uh,
3: Dr. Singh politely puts his in his wallet. Frida sets hers down on the table, and you're not certain she's going to pick it up when, when you're done here.
2: If, if she doesn't pick it up by the time dinner is done, I'm going to take it back because it <laughs> cost money to make.
3: All right. So Miguel, Miguel comes around and he asks if you'd like the, uh, the fish or the chicken.
1: Oh, uh, the chicken, please. I can't,
3: can't abide on that.
1: I would also go with the chicken, please. Thank you.
3: Frida and Singh both ask for the fish. They're curious. Neither one of them have. Uh... Oh wait, no. Uh, Dietrich has had Unger before, but Singh—he's never been to America before, or to the Americas before. He—he's uh, uh, excited to try it. It's a—it's a fish exclusively found right in this part of the world. It's almost specifically localized in Arispe, so they must have had to have picked it up while they were going through there. Mm-hmm. It's it's a very strange phenomenon. Dinner is served. You see a bunch of people are having, like, people are getting a little bit jolly, a little bit merry. People are having drinks. You, maybe if you casually glance around, Otis is still not here. Obviously, mm-hmm. neither is Sir Crown, who was left and That has not, does not appear for the rest of the dinner. George Maynard, the marshal, has one of the tables to himself. Like he was at the station before you got onto the train. He's sitting in a chair with his big old dirty boots kicked up on the table. He's smoking a big fat cigar and he is drinking profusely. You see that he's getting like a little red in the face and you can tell that he is inebriated. In addition to that, you see... That adventurer, there's another woman. She looks quite upper class. If you're listening at all, she speaks with a French accent as well. And then finally, also with the table to himself, he comes in maybe halfway through the dinner and everyone's a little bit hushed as he walks past. But there is a man with a like a heavy poncho and a massive wide-brimmed sombrero that you had not noticed until this point. He sits down at a table to himself. And when he does so... He, uh, when he, sorry, when food is brought out to him, he hunches over the food and kind of just shovels it almost like he's afraid someone's going to come in from the side and try to steal it from him.
2: Ah, his siblings. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yes. Well, you have a delightful other, other, <laughs> other than that reading, you have a delightful dinner. Would you, what would you sort of, uh, chat with, with Singh and Dietrich? Would you... Be keen to learn anything
1: about them. Well, you will also notice that after that reading, the reverend got incredibly quiet, and not doing the rolling eyes, not doing the big eyes. He is—he has a very sincere look on his face, and he doesn't talk unless he is asked questions. And even so, his responses are short.
2: I think uh, one of one of the things that if Edwards doesn't excel in it, he uh, at least believes he does. Is uh, you know, badinage. He he's fancies himself a raconteur. So yeah. Uh, He tries to keep the conversation at the table as lively as he can for the, as long as people are there. So he's, he's asking about the other people there, Mm -hmm. telling them anecdotes about how uh, magnificent he is.
3: Okay, no successes unfortunately.
2: All right, well we've learned which one it is. He believes himself to be a raconteur.
3: <laughs> you you keep engaging people in conversation and maybe you a couple of times interrupt someone. So you do you commit a couple of minor social faux pas, but it's nonetheless effective. So Singh and Dietrich both do talk a lot and they speak to you. And maybe even sometimes the reverend is kind of dragged, not necessarily kicking and screaming, but certainly unwilling into the conversation. Singh explains that he was a medic in the East India Company. Would you be at all curious about that? You know, the East India Company is a like a merchant endeavor. You do not know why they would need specifically a combat medic. Would you at all inquire about that?
2: Uh yes, but this is also tricky <laughs> because <laughs> I think a big a big part of uh Winchell's whole deal is trading mm-hmm. on like Orientalism. And so sure. he's probably made a lot of claims about having been to India, ah, knowing people see. in India. Yeah. And uh he has to keep fighting the urge to get into a familiar lie mm, while okay. while this is going on, it's like, ah yes, India. I remember once when I was talking to the Pashmina of Shah. <laughs> <laughs> sure
3: Well, I'd say that Despite the fact that you failed the check I would say that that is such a massive blunder In the conversation <laughs> That you would only make that If you say that you do that You do not, no, no, even no. though you failed the role You do not necessarily <laughs> be like Ah, oh, yes, these people you're talking about I know
2: them well he keeps, he keeps checking himself
3: Yeah, so, well If you inquire at all You find out that the East India Company Had a standing army Which shocks you a little bit, but apparently they were there for defensive actions only, although Dr. Singh gives the kind of like a similar eye roll when he's explaining that, and you get the impression that the East India Company was no good, but he explains that the East India Company, or becoming a medic there, was the easiest way for him to become a doctor, or at least maybe for him the only way to become a doctor, and he has served his time is very glad to be out, and now is trying to set up a practice here in the States. His family are currently in Boston, and he is traveling to Boston to uh, see them again. You also learn that Frida Dietrich is here to attend her husband's funeral.
2: Ah, so she's available.
3: <laughs> her, <laughs> her husband was, I suppose was, a US senator. But he unfortunately died of a, a, she just calls it a mystery illness, and doesn't elaborate any further, even if pressed. Would you at all, are you, so are you interested in Frida Dietrich, or was that just a joke? I
2: don't know, I know I I shot it, I I know I was able to, as I recall, Mm. I was able to hold her gaze when she tried to intimidate me before. Yeah, yes, you were. Uh, no, let's just, let's just keep, I don't don't even know if, yeah.
3: Just keep keep it rolling. Both of you notice, or both of you in conversation, she's like, uh, "Uh, you find out she has been married three times, and all three of her husbands have died in mysterious circumstances. Two of them via a mystery illness. She refuses to elaborate, and one of them quotation marks fell. Tragic. Uh, and you get to make of that what you currently <laughs> are making of that.
2: My condolences.
3: Picking up a cocktail that she has been sipping from, she says, Thank you. I am, uh, 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 I grieve for them every day. And she takes a big swig.
2: If you, um, wish at all to, uh, contact them, my services are available. She's
3: setting the glass down, she says, I would not do that. I love having the last word. <laughs> <laughs> Damn.
1: That's
2: very good. That's very good.
3: Well, dinner begins to wind down, and some people move to the second dining car, presumably for an aperitif or a smoke. But a lot of people are going to bed. Would either of you want to join people in the second dining car, or would you like to head to your room and retire?
2: I think I've picked up that uh, that the, the rev has kind of cooled a little bit over the course of the evening. Mm, uh, sure. So i <clears throat> Reverend, could I interest you in a cup of tea before bed?
1: Uh, e- sure, I'll go with a cup of tea. Coffee's usually my thing, but tea I'll give a shot. <sighs>
2: I don't know how you could drink coffee this late in the day. I would be up all night and into the next day.
1: Oh, well, there's a lot of late shifts in my past, so... You know, you do what you have to do. Decaf is also an option, so... I'll, I'll go with tea, though, whichever one you're having, sure.
2: Oh, no, 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 no. This is America. Coffee it is.
3: All right. <laughs> Good. A nice steaming hot cup of decaf coffee before bed.
2: Which would not be invented for 39 more years.
3: Uh, John Decaf of <laughs> Decaf Labs in Cambridge. Uh, yeah, we're has reading
2: f- the same article, Adam.
3: Yeah, it. oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We're reading the same article. Yeah, John Decaf uh, manages to invent it six years before this. It's a new and exciting product. You go to, oh, would you like to stay in this? This car is kind of emptying out. So if you wanted to be alone, you could be here or you could move to the other dining car and still be around some people. It's up to you.
1: Uh, I'm, I'm fine being here if you want. Yeah, no,
3: here's good. Here's good. The only company that obviously, of course, you're allowed to stay here and just have a cup of coffee or whatever. But you do see that several of the wait staff are kind of clearing away all the tables and making this place nice and neat again. They obviously you know, don't touch your table at all, unless you maybe ask for them, but they, they just clean around you and give you some space and privacy. Yeah. Uh, it would be uh, Miguel himself who brings out both of your... You're both having a coffee, right? Just one of you is decaf? Uh, yeah. Yep. Miguel brings out both of your coffees, sets them down in front of you, and says, I hope you have a lovely evening. Thank you for traveling with the Cran, he says. And then he leaves. Oh, well, thank you very much, Miguel.
2: Now, normally I'm not one to let the uh, side down, but uh, between you and me, the whole thing is uh, a bit of an act. Got quite lucky with Elizabeth there. Turns out if you shake any uh, landed English family, at least a handful of Elizabeths will tumble out of it.
1: (laughs) I would like to gauge if he is lying. Reverend, Edwards'
3: face is inscrutable to you. You are unable to deduce whether or not he
1: was lying just then. Well, whether or not it's an act or I don't even wanna suggest it's something you can do. There's a lot of things the Bible says about people like you and I don't wanna, you know, group you all in a one bit. Because a lot of the things in the Bible talk about very different sides of the same coin. Like Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It doesn't give any limitations of what you can do. But at the same time, in uh, Leviticus 26, if a person turns to mediums and necromancers, whoring after them, I will set my face against that person and will cut him off from among his people. Even though you can do all things, it doesn't mean that you should. So... Whether or not it's an act or or something you can actually do, it really hit that person in a very rough spot.
2: Yes, perhaps I should uh, smooth things over. Incidentally, I'm quite a few of the people like you in the Bible. I wonder which group... You're referring to.
1: Well, I was particularly referring to mediums. It refers to mediums ah. specifically in Leviticus 19:31. Do not turn to mediums or necromancers. Do not seek them out, and so make yourself unclean by them. So mediums are, are or sorcerers are potentially it because they didn't know the difference of what was what. A lot of things, if they couldn't make sense of it, it's magic, it's sorcery, it's the devil. And you know we've we've answered some of those things. This particular thing. Not so much, because the dead do not praise the Lord, nor do any who go down into silence. Psalm 115, 17. There's a lot that's said about what you do.
2: Primarily what I do,
1: I'm an entertainer. W- what what drives
2: you to do it? I need to make a living. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, who can resist the lure of the stage? There's something, something about transporting people, even briefly to some place where anything could be possible.
1: And being the one who brings them there uh, it's a, it can be intoxicating. That's an interesting way to phrase it, because I would phrase what I do in a similar fashion, just less of a stage and more about bringing people to a place that only their imagination can usually bring them. Yes, but you're, you've been called.
2: You're bringing them truth. I'm bringing them a nickel's worth of entertainment and making it seem like a dollar.
1: But see, you try to tap into people's inner thoughts, their past, their happiness or misery. I can imagine some of these end in people leaving happily going. Thank you so much for contacting, you know, great grandma for me. Uh, I miss her very much. And then some other people will storm out of the room, just like he did. So when it comes to things like that, what, do you really get out of it?
2: Hmm. You know, I've never considered beyond uh, coming up as I did uh not terribly well off, uh needing to make ends meet however you could, you know. Learn a bunch of tricks on the street as a child, how to trick people with three-card Monty, that kind of thing, then sort of Spin it out into a grander scheme. And uh, if it brings some people peace, then all the better. And if some people are upset or frightened, well, I hope that they can. How did the bard put it? We are but uh, players passing upon a stage, and if perchance we do offend, you know, all that. What was the question? (laughs) What
1: do you get out of it?
2: As I said... It's a job.
1: Uh, Everyone's, of course, open to their own path in front of them. I just, I'm sometimes curious what drives some people to do particular things. You hear a lot of, a lot of good and a lot of bad in what I do. Confession, as much as we don't do confessions as, you know, Catholicism and such in, in the Methodist church, people still like to go to us and unload their problems. So you get to hear a lot of bad and good i just hope that you have a lot more good on your side from what you do than bad i
2: like to think so anyway is it just me or is this coffee absolutely terrible it's
1: awful (laughs) it is one of the worst (laughs) things i think i've ever had this decaf fella didn't know what he was doing
2: (laughs) cheers